Hey there, Theme Park Architects, and welcome back to Theme Park Sandbox. My name is Drew. My name is Aaron. And welcome back to the show. Now, uh, you guys will notice, first of all, Aaron, it has been quite a while. We should acknowledge yeah. that. Looking at the old calendar right now, we have been out of recording booths, our very fancy recording booths that we've spent <laughs> many, many dozens of dollars on for over a year now. Uh, we've had no theme parkitecting in either of our lives for 12 plus months. Well, uh, we have a good reason for that. We do. We have a good reason. We do, yeah. So uh, for those of you who, who don't know Aaron and I personally... Uh, we both got jobs. Yay. We got jobs. We sold out. We work for the man again. We do. That's well, it's a cool man. We're not going to tell you it who is. the cool man is, but it's the same company and we're on opposite coasts, which is really awesome. But um, we should say you'll notice that you don't see our beautiful faces this time around. We have changed our format to audio only. Uh, it has to do with this third eyeball that I've been growing right above the bridge of my nose. Um, I've really learned a lot about the more mystical parts of the world, but I don't want to. No, no, no. Uh, it, it's actually just out of laziness, to be honest. <laughs> it's okay, though. You know why? Because we looked at the telematics and we realized that most of you listen to this podcast in your car anyway. So you should not be looking at our beautiful faces regardless. We didn't want to distract. We don't want unsafe drivers on the road. We want, uh, we want everyone to stay safe and stay enjoying our sultry sounds. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's time to dust off the old Imagineering brain and uh, That's right. talk about some theme park stuff. Now, just because we haven't been doing our podcast does not mean we haven't been going to the parks. Aaron, uh, I know you just recently went, right? Yes, I did. Uh, I actually did a thing that I haven't done in a long time, which is go to a theme park I have never been to before, which was Bush oh. Gardens, which was a really cool time. And I was actually very impressed with their theming. I really wasn't, ex I didn't have really any expectations, but I wasn't expecting what I saw. I really had a good time. But I've been, you know, a regular haunt at the Disney parks. I've been really loving the Universal parks as well. Um, having a really good time with a lot of their uh, a lot of their food going on right now. Yeah, no, definitely. And I want to go to Bush Gardens the next time I visit. In fact, I think the last time we did an episode was just after I visited you in Florida when it was like sweltering. I think hot. you're right. Yeah, and, oh, and yeah. we needed cooling towels, which I think it's that time of year again in Florida, if it, I remember correctly. It absolutely is. It yeah. absolutely is. It It's in that 100% uh, humidity, 90 plus degree day with a little side splash of rain every now and then. <laughs> nice. Well, like I said, we've been going to theme parks. I've been going to theme parks. I've been kept, uh, keeping up on all of the theme park news that's been happening over the past year. And we wanted to talk to you guys about something that we've been noticing, um, regardless of coast, I think, but um, mostly on the West Coast. They're a little bit more vocal. I think it's because we have a lot of pass holders here. But um, right. everyone on the social media theme park channels seems to be obsessed with the idea of the people mover coming back to Tomorrowland. Yes, absolutely. And there are definitely changes coming to the East Coast Tomorrowland, but the West Coast rumor mill has been cranking out some uh, some exciting stuff. <laughs> some exciting stuff, um, which is great, because obviously that's where we live. We live in the imagination and things that don't exist. But mm -hmm. um, what's interesting about it is is I keep hearing these these kind of opposing ideas that, that the Innoventions building in Tomorrowland is going to be knocked down, but then 
the next you know week I'll see that the people mover is coming back or that it's possible for it to come back when in reality um I mean I don't want to ruin anyone's dreams but the people mover goes through the innoventions building um, yeah the two are intrinsically connected in a way that uh I mean money could fix it but the amount of time oh yeah and your guys is on the on the east coast has been cl- had been closed for a long time and it and it took them like quite a while to get back up and running from what I understand right yeah, they'd been doing some uh, aesthetic improvements just to get the sort of look of Tomorrowland back to where they want it. It was kind of in that sort of uh, gold steampunky kind of leftovers from mm-hmm. a couple of decades back. And so they've they've changed some stuff and made some nice improvements and uh, brought the people mover back just as as it was, as it has always been. Um, I I do have to mention that there will be a new attraction coming in that's like very visible from the people mover. Uh, Tron light cycle run is coming yeah. in, coming in hot. And so they're going to have to add some little blurb. You know, you can't just walk by or ride by uh, <laughs> that huge attraction, the e-ticket ride and not call attention to it. Right. And what's like, I was kind of shocked and tell me if you were shocked, but like from what I understand with the box office, like Tron Legacy did not do as well as they had hoped. Like I'm a huge fan of the no. movie, but I was kind of shocked when they announced that it was going to be coming to Florida. Um, excited, but it was just kind of like, I don't know. It would be like uh, if they had a, a ride, you know, theme to the John Carter film, right? Good movie. Right. Not very popular in the box office. Right. No, I agree. And I, I was a big fan of the original Tron. And so I went into Tron Legacy, like super stoked, uh, went opening weekend and had the normal like rush, the crowds, the whatever. But then nobody came on day two. And yeah, I don't think that it was a massive hit like they had hoped. And they pushed it. They pushed it hard. There was Flynn's Arcade in the parks. There was all sorts of really Really cool tie-ins. Um, didn't they have the whole like d- a DJ dance party in um, California Adventure? It was like all Tronified for a for a while. Yes, yeah. That's oh, you're throwing me back. That was called Electronica, and it was like Electronica a neon night yes. rave in Hollywood, and yes. they hung a big laser from the Hollywood Studios like arch, which is no longer there. But uh, yeah, that was kind of trippy, kind of cool. But I, I guess we. Uh, as as much as I would say like Tron Legacy wasn't a success, I'm really happy to see them kind of revamping Tomorrowland in any sort of way, like kind of putting money mm-hmm. into it. That's pretty exciting that they're doing aesthetic changes. Ours, I mean, the People Mover track in, in Disneyland is pretty sad. It's still gold for, back from mm-hmm. the 50th when, when it was Rocket Rod. So for those of you who yep. don't know, the People Mover was like a very slow moving attraction. And then in like 1999, they closed and opened up, I think it was 1999, but they opened Rocket Rods, which was like a super fast paced, almost like a roller coaster car experience. Um, But they didn't bother banking any of the turns. So the cars had, they were eating through tires because they were slowing down for every turn and then speeding back up. And it only lasted like one and a half, maybe two years uh, from what I remember. So it'd be really interesting to see them go back to the slow moving people mover and to see if that would be even possible, considering I would imagine they had to to change out the entire track, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, I think all that they really did is they sort of modified something from what test track might have been and right. a, 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 like from a technology perspective and then made it fit. 
you know, they made it fit in the in the people mover very narrow space. Um, So I'm sure that there were track changes to accommodate that, because I think the people mover, at least I know uh, on the East Coast, just runs on like, you know, just very low power. Um, There's like some tires that roll stuff through and it's like pretty low tech <laughs> right uh, I remember and then to get like a it. yeah and to get like a, a late 90s or early 2000s level roller coaster ride vehicle i mean the test track vehicle is essentially a, an ev or like same thing of radio mm-hmm. springs it's essentially an ev like it's a it's a full-blown machine yeah the one in florida if i remember correctly there's like little like linear induction like pads that are spread mm-hmm. out along the track and those are what yeah. propel you forward and and slow you down it's a pretty pretty clunky system <laughs> from what i remember yeah. but it's pretty cool and it's a really classic attraction and quite frankly it's a if you're in florida it's a break from the rain which is awesome it is and then what's cool about both attractions on both coasts is that they go through all of the attractions in tomorrowland which well yes apart from submarine voyage obviously here on the west coast but uh, it goes right. over it, which is kind of cool. Um, now, I actually had some ideas about our people mover, if you'd like to hear them. They're pretty cool. I would love to. Yes, yes. So to kind of combat this rumor that Innoventions is going to be bulldozed for some sort of seating area for pizza port and that uh, the people mover is going to come back, I actually, you know, as we both know, there's no way to have one without the other because it goes through the track. And I think modifying the track, I'm sure, would have you run into a load of permitting issues and just construction issues, right? So my idea actually keeps both of the structures up. And the way I would do that, um, a lot of folks don't really know this, but the Innoventions building is actually quite round and long in circumference. And so um, that's where... From what I understand, that's where like the rocket rods and the people mover cars would get added and removed. Like they would add a cart or take a part of car- or take off a cart from the track. Um, and it was the first attraction to be able to do that without having personnel watching it actively happen. So what I would do is actually turn the downstairs innoventions into sort of a Flynn's arcade experience because. Um, if you guys have ever been to Innoventions at Disneyland, you'll know. And Aaron, do you remember? It used to be like full of games. Um, yep. Even when it was the the not Innovention, it was just the Innoventions Dream Home. It was still full of games. <laughs> yeah. So, um, why why change it? Right. You know, like I don't think the building rotates anymore based on the construction that I've seen. But um, the bottom line is just use it as a queue. Flynn's Arcade downstairs. And then upstairs, I want that to become almost like an attraction loading zone. I think that'd be pretty cool. And then change the load platform from the center of Tomorrowland um, and put it in the back of Innoventions. I don't think it would be, in, I don't think it would be crazy difficult to do. Um, I think you would be able to have like the grid upstairs, which would be kind of neat. Um, mm-hmm. Or you can just skip. You can just divide the two build, the two halves. There's an upstairs and a downstairs, and just make the downstairs Flynn's Arcade. And then you walk up the ramp and upstairs, you're on the grid. Yeah. And then that kind of begins your, your journey through Tomorrowland, um, which, you know, I know it's supposed to be a journey into a computer, but Tomorrowland's also pretty cool. <laughs> it, I agree. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, they could even do some kind of fun, I don't know what they call it, uh, de-resing. Is that right? 
yeah. kind of like digitizing process. You get turned into little squares and and make that like some kind of cool experience. And that's what happens when you go up an elevator or go up some kind of moving platform and and bang, there you are. You're you're in the computer. You're on the grid. Uh, I love that. And moving that entrance back does a couple of like kind of interesting things. It moves the guest flow all the way in the back instead of kind of like congesting that center of what's basically like an intersection. You know, it's like you right. sort of go this way. You go this way if you're going to like Space Mountain, Pizza Port, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then you go this other way if you're going to Autopia or maybe to the monorail or to submarines if you like kind of like passed by it. So like it is an intersection of traffic that you're congesting. And now you can open that up and just keep people moving. And it walks them all the way through the length of the land as well, which I think is really clever. It's like you get to show everything and then they get to experience it from a new vantage point. Right. And quite frankly, um, I think people miss having the old Starcade below the Space Mountain mm-hmm. view, which is which for a short period of time became like a magic key um like magic key. it was like a lounge Ex- or something yeah right? it was an exclusive yeah. lounge um mm-hmm. and i mean that was okay but i think people really miss the starcade so i like the idea of kind of um not only paying homage to the starcade but also to interventions because that was just a place where you played games essentially if you wanted to totally kind of beat the heat right so uh, yeah. and like i said if they're putting tron over on the east coast um well, the west coasters want some tron too and yeah, that definitely is something that I would love to see. Um, and the idea of just having a dusty old arcade sounds cool. Yeah. Well, and am I wrong? I might be getting way too into the plot and into the weeds here, but am I wrong that in the arcade, in the film, don't you go upstairs to get to to uh, the office where you actually get derezzed? Or is it just like... It was a weird like, I know loft building where it had like the games downstairs, but upstairs was kind of like... Uh, there was like a couch and it looked like he was living up there, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty yeah. sure the entrance to the actual attraction was behind the Tron behind the arcade cabinet. Right. Which was downstairs. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But man, how cool would that be? If like, that'd be great. You wait, you know, you wait downstairs or upstairs um, and then there's a cast member there. And then all of a sudden they pull the Tron door open and or like the the front of the game console open yeah that's the beginning of your queue like man what a what a cool experience that would be to just kind of live that moment from the movie yeah that'd be incredible i love that uh and and i mean the copy paste technique that they're using with the light cycle run on mm-hmm. the east coast um i will speak for myself and just say like it's a bummer that it's taking so long to build, and it's also a bummer that it's a several-year-old ride on day one of opening. Right. So to get something new, to get something fresh with that Tron flavor, with that excitement, uh, and hopefully it's something that doesn't lead to like what I'm sort of afraid is inevitable with Tomorrowland, especially in Anaheim, which is like this big just land of scrim and uh, construction walls that is just a hallway to and from Space Mountain and nothing else. It's like, here's your <laughs> here's your very narrow hallway route to get to Space Mountain or to get to the submarines and everything else is closed. Like, this avoids that. This avoids that really uh, tragic kind of a look that I hope never happens, but... I'm becoming more afraid. Yeah, like, and it's really funny to me because when every time you talk to someone who is, you know, in 
likes going to the theme parks and whatnot, a, you hear a lot of like, oh, well, they should just do this. Well, in reality, mm-hmm. it's really, really difficult because Tomorrowland is so, all the attractions are so intertwined with each other. It's kind of a, a maze where the walls have been moved 27 times and you don't remember yep. how they were before. But like, even Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters, that used to be the queue for rocket rods. So mm-hmm. if you were to try to load where the old rocket rod slash people mover line went, you couldn't because Buzz Lightyear's there. So yeah, it's, it's kind of, you guys are kind of getting an understanding of how complex Tomorrowland is due to the amount of layers and the amount of overlays that have happened at that land uh, since it's opened. And I mean, that's a good thing, right? That means it's always going to be changing, which is really cool. And that, that was kind of Walt's thing. Like Disneyland will never be complete as long as there's like imagination and his favorite land, no doubt was Tomorrowland because he For liked sure. looking towards the future. Um, but I, yeah, I just think re-theming and revamping Tomorrowland is, is just going to be a, an increasingly different thing, uh, a difficult thing to do. Um, because our technology just progresses so fast. I think the, really the only thing, and I, I know you have some opinions on the idea, Aaron, is that the only thing you can really change without anyone getting mad is kind of Space Mountain. Like we've had yeah. multiple iterations, right? Yeah, I mean, there there've been tons of overlays of Space Mountain. And uh, it, I mean, I think there are even rumors, rumors nowadays that there's an eventual light year overlay that may come to space mountain. But I mean, we've had, we've had some crazy weird stuff with space mountain. Did you ever do the red hot chili peppers rock concert overlay? I did. I did actually. It was, uh, it was, it funny about it to me looking back is that, yeah, if you don't know, first of all, they had a red hot chili peppers. That was back when red hot chili peppers was like at their absolute prime. And so they decided Mm -hmm. to kind of do a rock and roller coaster spin here on the West Coast with Space Mountain. And what was funny about it is they played a Stevie Wonder song. It wasn't yeah, even superstitious. A Red Hot Chili. Yeah. Oh, no, it wasn't superstitious. Yeah. It was, um, I can't remember. Anyway, um, I'll think of it later. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get there. But, I mean, it's a Chili Peppers cover of a Stevie Wonder tune. Right. And, and it's just, yeah, it's very much like, you're in a roller coaster inside of a disco ball kind of aesthetic. Right. Oh, well, you know what song it was? It was Higher Ground by Stevie Higher Wonder. Ground. There we go. There we go. Yeah. And then, of course, we, we all know Hyperspace Mountain. Um, Hyperspace, yeah. Star yep. Wars, you know, overlay, which I don't know. A, a lot of people seem to, th- and including myself, a lot of people think that the Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind kind of beta test was kind of hyperspace mountain now you've been on it i haven't i agree based on the videos that i've seen it it almost seems like hyperspace mountain and ghost galaxy were kind of a proof of concept for cosmic rewind do you agree definitely it was um it was proof of the technology working um and and the way that you can sort of pass a scene at roller coaster speeds and have some level of understanding some level of awareness now i've been on guardian's uh, just once, and I had to go back and watch YouTube videos to understand exactly the intricacies of what I was seeing. And it's not that important for your enjoyment, but um, yeah, to give this really just like light sprinkling of story with some like 
fun, recognizable characters and locations or uh, or ships or whatever the case may be. Certainly sound effects plays a big role. And in Guardians, the soundtrack plays a big role. Right. Uh, I think that's really what they are after is sort of like the vibe of the stories that you're used to rather than an authentic, really like beginning, middle end story. Yeah, in a and, roller coaster. and I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout here on the West Coast is exactly the same. It's not an actual exactly story that we've seen in a movie, but it's the same likeness, the same characters, the same jokes, mm-hmm. and the same, you know, similar music. So, um, yeah, I, I really, now that you, now that I really, like, think about it, Hyperspace Mountain with all the action, but then also the music from the Red Hot Chili Peppers put together kind of makes sense yeah it makes a perfect attraction that's interactive and and guardians is very much like very obviously in my opinion a spiritual successor to space mountain to the degree where i could see them uh i could see them retheming the west coast space and knocking down the east coast one i don't think that will happen but i could see uh i could see a reality in which that could happen because there's a lot of other cool stuff they could put in that place. Maybe it's its own Flynn's Arcade that sort of leads into the light cycle run. Maybe it's something else. I, I also kind of think that it would be weird to have the, I don't want to say photorealistic, but like the the like base reality version of Buzz Lightyear because right. he's, the, he's the movie character that the toy is based off of. So like uh, that, that whole universe breaking thing also tickles my <laughs> mind in a funny way but if you have like chris evans buzz and tim allen buzz that are both in the same land kind of like looking at one another like who's the alpha here i think something's got to give so either you got to give like the astro astro blasters or space ranger spin you got to give that a retheme or a break or shut it down or turn it into ant-man or do whatever you got to do or you got to really consider what you're doing with Lightyear on a on a retheme level to space. Yeah, I will say having the new Lightyear movie overlaid over Space Mountain would be easier because technically he's a human and so are you versus right. the Buzz Lightyear toy. Being a toy. You would have to Toy Story landify <laughs> everything, mm-hmm. which is yep. immersive and difficult and kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say it doesn't, work but it's definitely i don't think it would be as long lasting right well and it would bring up all the same questions that a lot of people had when galaxy's edge opened where you can walk directly from andy's backyard where you are a toy the size of a toy and you see this giant footprint on the ground and you walk 25 feet and then suddenly you're on another you know outworld outpost in the star wars galaxy and it's like (laughs) They, they do their best. They do a good job of transitioning. But from that overall perspective of like what is actually going on this sort of like the meta storytelling of a theme park, it's a little weird. Like, yeah. We can admit that's a, a bit weird. It was a bit jarring. I'm not going to lie. Because, because I remember <laughs> half of our party um, when I was there, half of our party wanted Ronto wraps and the other half wanted, uh-huh. um, what is it? Woody's Lunchbox, right? Yep. And so I remember specifically walking my grilled cheese, sand, pulled pork grilled cheese or whatever from Woody's Lunchbox into Galaxy, <laughs> into Galaxy's Edge and being like, well, this is weird. <laughs> yeah. It's, 
it's somehow weird that like you feel guilty for bringing in like uh, the wrong props in to set or something. Totally, and <laughs> like, and you know oh. maybe it's just the the total nerd imagineer you know in us to to kind of break mm-hmm. the theme a little bit, but it was definitely a strange feeling for sure. You got to throw away that Dasani and get yourself a proper thermal detonator. That that Dasani does not go here. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> it's got to have arabesque lettering lettering on it. That's right. That's um, right. Yeah. Well, anyway, I, I just what do you what do you think about People Mover in Florida? I wanted to to kind of bring that up and see, like, do you have any um, like, does it look good? Like, what can you tell me what they're working on? I mean, man, the People Mover is sort of just a staple and it's got that like nice quality level of jankiness that people either love or hate. But um, it's kind of just it's classic deal. Uh, they they improved some of like the aesthetics, the sort of railways and some strut work and like just exterior stuff. That's like really just for the land overall. Um, but as far as the attraction itself, I mean that thing has really not seen much change other than voiceovers, which there's an a, inevitable update coming soon, anyways. Um, but I don't really. I don't really imagine that there's going to be a lot in the way of changing that. I would love to see them update and smoothen that thing out and make that like very, very much like a futuristic transportation means. I just don't see that in the cards versus all of the other things that they would rather do in Tomorrowland. You know, yeah. what, whether that be, whether that be uh, doing something new with that classic Space Mountain or bringing it kind of up to date with, you know, Tron being a very modern attraction and kind of just bringing up the whole level of the area. You know, you'd you'd think maybe on paper that the rising tide of Tron bringing in all this sort of modernity would lift all the ships up, but it's really just showing what ships are seaworthy and which ones are going to sink as kind of the modern appearance and that sort of like futurism and the retro futurism start clashing yeah yeah i I mean it's funny that you use the word sink because i was just thinking of kind of an old attraction that's at disneyland that everyone thought was going to be going away and then surprise surprise disney dumped a ton of money into it and actually that's finding nemo submarine voyage um Mm -hmm. when the parks closed everyone was immediately I, I mean i don't think anyone expected that ride to come back there was several news outlets like theme park news outlets that said like i hope you enjoyed riding it that last time you wrote it because it's probably never coming back they were incredibly um you know old school with their technology um the projector rooms were definitely showing their age and quite frankly the subs cast members a lot of people don't realize this but that cast member is in full control of that vehicle. There are no safeguards. I mean, like if they want, if they bump the submarine in front of them, which happened frequently, from what I understand, um, mm. they bumped it and it left a big old dent <laughs> in the front, oh, geez. in the front of the submarine. But here we are today. It just opened last week when I was at the park. You know, not too long ago. So I mean, you never know. You never know. Sometimes Disney, you know, they. They are nostalgic and, and for good reason, you know, but in the case of Tomorrowland, I, I would really love to see something new happen. And I think, uh, what do they call it in Paris? 
They call it something. They don't have like a Tomorrowland. They have like a Discovery something, right? Discovery Land or Discovery. Uh, I think it's Discovery Land. Yeah, which is, but it's 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 different. It's very Jules Verne. It's right. kind of what Disney was going for in that that particular era when we had a gold Space Mountain facade. But it works uh, because they really they really went whole hog on it, and they. They uh, they had that Imagineering team incept it from top to bottom to be its own thing and to live in this sort of fantastical element. So it's not Tomorrowland meaning future. It is a sort of feeling of what technology might have been if history had changed dramatically. Right. You know, if uh, if some like, you know, turn of the 19th century kind of steampunk thing had really just been the you know the the deal where we know thomas edison it would have been somebody else and they would have done their own brand new thing and it would have been very jules vernian right even you get to see that a bit in um disney sea in tokyo you get to see a little bit of their interpretation of that style of theming and i think that it is evergreen is really the reason that it's so brilliant I mean, it's well done. It's well executed. There are lots of well executed lands, but to do the Tomorrowland style and then have it be really permanent and yeah. ageless is is so smart. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, just talking about what Tomorrowland was based on. Do you think that Tomorrowland and viewers, please feel free to chime in and let us know what you think on this too. But um, or listeners, I should say. No more viewers. <laughs> Just listeners. <laughs> no more viewers. Yeah. But um, let us know if you think that Tomorrowland would be more timeless if it wasn't based on real technology or would it seem cheesy? You know, like I, I frequently think about that as I'm walking through Tomorrowland. You look at the ground, you look at the texture on the walls, you say, is this kind of far out enough? And will it ever be far out enough as far as design and, and aesthetics? that we'll just take it for what it is, right? Like a good example is Star Wars. Star Wars is so out of this world that it's just Star Wars. But mm-hmm. it's got these defining these defining props and like these textures that if you were to see a wall, um, you would say, oh, that, that's very Star Wars, right? You don't really get that with the Tomorrowland, right? Like what would that look like? When we've tried to kind of go Incredibles took like the modern contemporary, you know, mm-hmm. vibe and you can look at some stuff and say, "Oh, that's very Incredibles," right? So like what the would The mid-century be... modern thing. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. like what would be that for Tomorrowland besides stucco and gold or this weird silver blue? Yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of just like very stark plain white. I even think back to like the old um the old rocket that the the flight to the moon attraction and that sort of whole thing it was also very i think that's where they stuck a lot of the world's fair type of stuff yeah so like that had an element of it which world's fair had its own sort of vibe of the future but it was also like a five year in the future kind of a thing or maybe maybe it's like this just came out you know not so much a world's fair almost more like a like a, the Electronics Expo, or what is it in Vegas? The um, CES. Right, CES. Kind of an idea to it. Yeah. Yeah. I do have moments in time where I kind of want 
and I doubt this would ever happen, but I kind of want Marvel to take over Tomorrowland, but not Marvel like you would think. I would love to see like the Stark Expo take over Tomorrowland so that we can have some yeah. sort of, you know, imagination, you know, they can write and tell whatever story they want to come up with. It doesn't have to be based mm-hmm. on any technology or realism from our world. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, longtime viewers will know that our first episode on Autopia, uh, <laughs> we went pretty hard in uh, making Autopia kind of Howard Starkian in a way. So yeah, your idea that's, was fantastic. That's definitely, that's definitely something that's been on my mind for a while. I would just love to, to go to Tomorrowland and see... Oh, by the way, if you've never seen our Autopia episode, it was our first ever episode, and it's fantastic. You, you, gotta, you gotta watch it. It's pretty great. Um, but yeah, I, I just think also just the time frame would be really cool. It's kind of like... Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't, what time frame would that be? Is it like the 40s? Uh, I would, I would put it in the like, yeah, like World War Two is kind of where they place it. Right. Um, I don't know. the The timeline's a little, a little weird. It's oddly but, uh, also yeah, if, a bit steampunky. Yes, it is. But uh, yeah, so in that sort of like forties, fifties ish, um, you see Howard Stark present a flying car, uh, during World War Two because there's like all the you know, come join the army kind of things that Steve Rogers gets into. Right. Um, now this just became a Marvel podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and so if you imagine he's like maybe 25 in that, and then he dies in the nineties. Um, so that's 50 years later. He doesn't look like he's in his seventies. He looks a little more spry than that, but you know, whatever. Um, we, we got to use the actors that we got. Yeah. Well, I would love to hear all of our listeners' uh, opinions on, uh, kind of circling it back around, uh, on People Mover and the People old Mover. Innoventions building, also currently known as Star Wars Launch Bay. Um, mm-hmm. What do you guys think? Like, what do you think it should become? Should, it, should we keep them both or should we knock, them, knock both down? Because... Like I said, it is impossible to have one without the other without doing some pretty serious overhauls to Tomorrowland. And is People Mover something that you want to come back? Um, yeah. It sure seems like Disney is it, does. Yeah. Is it worth ironing out that bowl of spaghetti to try and figure out how to get all of these attractions separate and have their own buildings and their own bespoke everything? Or is it worth it to keep it in its kind of like cool, overlappy way um and if you really want some uh some great made-up theme park architect kudos points tell us if you remember any of those older iterations like if you remember dream home if you remember the innoventions building moving uh that'll be worth some some fake theme park architect points that we will uh allot to you <laughs> they are worth uh one-tenth of a shroot buck that's right that's right <laughs> And we will be keeping track. <laughs> exactly. Well, in the meantime, guys, thank you so much for, for you know, joining. And um, I'll tell you what, I, and I don't want to speak on behalf of Aaron, but I'm, I'm very, very excited to be back and uh, kind of letting my creative juices flow again through my brain and thinking of cool stuff. But in the meantime, uh, we also do have 
uh, I started a food Instagram. We've got some shameless plugs coming up. Yes. <laughs> yes. Make sure you watch some of our old videos just to get an idea. This is more of just kind of like a fun, you know, update video as to what we've been up to, um, as well as the conversations that have been happening in the theme park community. But um, yes, we did start some food vlogs. Uh, I started a food Instagram. It's called Theme Park Lunchbox. But, um, theme Park Lunchbox. Theme Park Lunchbox West. And then Aaron is going to be starting up the Theme Park Lunchbox East eventually because we don't want to miss out on all of those delicious foods over on the East Coast. But Epcot food and wine coming in hot. That's right. That might be, that might be the <laughs> debut time to do it, Aaron. Hint, hint. That's right. That's right. There you go. But anyway, uh, any, any closing words here, Aaron? I mean, we've got our uh, our classic theme park sandbox Instagram, as well as the theme park lunchbox East and West. Those ones are definitely the ones to check out. You can check out the the YouTube page uh, if you're checking this out on um, an audio only platform. And uh, we'll also be putting out this audio on YouTube. So if you're there, feel free to subscribe and like. We love that. And we love reading comments, especially. Um but no, Drew, I am super happy to be back. I already feel warm in my seat. I feel warm with the mic in front of me. I'm ready to record three more. It has nothing to do with the hot, intense, humid weather in Florida. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> awesome. Okay, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining, and we'll catch you on the next one. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.